The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Your new or existing home is one of your most important assets, yet too many people rely on sites, shows, and tips from people who are not in the real estate business when making important decisions. It's time to get real and trust a professional. This is Real Real Estate Today with host Deb Tomorrow. In this series, you'll learn about making smart decisions when it comes to buying a home, selling a home, or even staying in the home you're in. Now, here is your host, Realtor Deb Tomorrow. Good afternoon, good morning, good evening, whenever you're listening to this, but right now it's afternoon. Oh yeah, I can still hear the ringing in the background. Yes. Okay, well hopefully you can't hear that. We're hearing ringing in the background, but um, it's fine. Um, so welcome. You are listening to Real Real Estate Today. I am your host, Deb Tomorrow, T-O-M-A-R-O. Please follow us on Facebook if you are not. We've got lots of good stuff that um, goes up there regularly. And I am joined today with Karen Rastel, who is the best name lender in the state of Indiana. Welcome, Karen. Thank you. And good to be back. Yeah. So you weren't, was it last week you were on? That's right. I was Gosh, not here. It's a blur. So last week we had, you missed a really good show. I know. I need, need to listen to it. You need it. to listen to it because literally, totally inspirational. Changed my life. To, to go and reorganize? I did. I went. Things. So we had on Cheryl Smith, who has a business called Consider It Done Lifestyle Management. And so we talked a lot about organization, kind of getting your house organized, some tips for you know, getting ready to move. We also talked about senior move management, which is something that she does when you have older people who are needing to downsize and um, she had some great, great ideas. And I know a few of my favorite tips um, that um, one was, and she was using this for the junk drawer. She said, take out the junk drawer. And I said, you may have to open it more than two inches. <laughs> because literally that's, do you do that? Yes. I, like, I open it two inches and I'm like, that's yeah. all I can do. She calls it like your dead battery drawer. I'm like, yes. You have the drawer with like the dead batteries no, in it. No, I recycled the dead batteries. Okay. Well, you have Perfect. dead batteries and shoelaces. I don't know why it's in our doors, but, um, so she says, take out the drawer and dump it, the whole thing. Like, don't just sit there and pick through it, but like dump the whole drawer out into a place where you like to be, right? Which sounds kind of weird, but like, if you like to spend time at your kitchen table, dump it there because you'll be more motivated to go through it and kind of complete the task. Right. Right. Dump things on your bed. If you like to, you know, go sleep at night or whatever. <laughs> I have to admit, I didn't do that because my table is covered with some other things are going on right now but um i did go through it and i posted on facebook i pulled my first thing was i'm just gonna take out all the pens there's probably like 10 or 15 pens in here literally i don't even know i should have counted and i put a picture on facebook there was like 50 pens in my junk drawer (laughs) i have to look insane and then i went through and i checked all of them to see like what worked and what didn't and i sorted them like trash pile which wasn't that big but then i had a good pile, like pens I want to keep, I like to use or whatever. And then I had a pile of like, well, they work, but you can't bring yourself to throw it away, right? 
you know, you sound like my husband. You guys in your pens. I don't get it. So, um, no, but then I asked, so then I was posting on Facebook. This was so great. I post on Facebook. I'm like, what do I do with all these pens that are perfectly good? Cheryl's like, you take them to here in Monroe County where we are. We have our recycling center and they have a craft room. Where you can take like all of your like I surplus, like I cleaned out another because I have two junk drawers. I cleaned out the other one and it had, I had these like vinyl letters that you put on like a mailbox or something. Yeah. You have all the extras. Yes. And I was like, oh, I'm sweet. Hanging. I know what to do with those now. No, that's perfect. Because I have, I have a lot of those extra pieces of, I don't know what to do with right. either. I had no idea that we had. And now I'm thinking too, I'm like, I might have like ribbons. Of course, you're just making your problem somebody else's problem. But you know, that's fine. I'm not judging. No, I've had teachers and other, other people go and, and you know, snatch that yeah. stuff up. Yeah. So, but I had I, I had broken rubber bands in that drawer. I mean, is there anything more useless in this world than broken rubber bands? Uh, no, no. And uh, but and I found about five fortunes fortune cookies. Were they good ones? One of them wasn't good. I can't. Remember. I'll have to look it up because I posted <laughs> on Facebook. It's pretty funny. Um, but anyways, that was like such. Oh, it was really nice. So then I had to make drawer organizers, and so I took cracker boxes like a trisket box yeah and I kind of like cut it in half like so I had two flat trays and then one of the tips Cheryl said was you know they make all that really cool duct tape now and so you can kind of cover your trays that you're making out of the cardboard boxes with duct tape and make them kind of cool and I just bought a big roll of black duct tape because I just want to kind of before I spent the money on fancy duct tape yeah just gotta see what it is you're yeah see what it was see if I'm capable of doing that so I made my little trays and I have my pen tray and then I had a tray for like tape and then I had a tray for, I think, flashlights. I don't know. I mean, like, we have a lot of little flashlights because we take the dogs outside. That's, we have two junk drawers. One is for Jack, yeah. my 10-year-old, yeah. because, you know, he needs his junk. googly eyes and, yeah, 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 everything you get at, like, a at a pizza place. Yeah. Yeah, we right. redeem your ticket. Right. So he's got that. And then we have our own, right. which always has those, like, extra screws or yeah. extra yep. plastic pieces from, I don't know what, and you're like, we may yeah. need that. I had all kinds but. of hooks. So I do, I will admit, I'm not completely done with the task. I have a shoebox that I put um, that I put stuff in because I need to talk with Uris about, yeah, what is this? And then what do I do with it kind of thing? Um, so anyways, but it was very liberating, and I've opened my drawer a few times now to kind of um, marvel at it. Okay, I need, so, I'll, I will so, download yeah, that. Yeah, again, so there's really some great ideas uh, from that, so... Uh, if anybody wants to see my cracker box drawer organizers, I can post pictures. I'm not so good with the tape, so, but anyways. All right, so are you busy right now, in general, business-wise? I'm starting to Starting be. to pick I up. I just switched, yeah, I just moved my business to another company, yeah. and so I'm trying to get organized over there. So Do you want a shout-out to Ruoff? Yes. Do a shout out to Ruoff Home Mortgage. Uh, They are headquartered out of Fort Wayne, Indiana, and they've been in business since um, 1984. Oh, I realize that. Yeah, they've been around for a long time, and so I'm happy to be joining the Bloomington uh, location. So they were a big sponsor of the Indianapolis Colts this past year. Yes, remember seeing the big signs up. Uh, What's your email address, just in case anybody wants to reach out? It's It's K A R A N dot R-A-S-T-A-L-L at Ruoff, R-U-O-F-F dot com. So we'll put that up on Facebook, too. So if anybody wants to contact Karen and ask her some loan questions, they are welcome to do that. I know in a lot of parts of the country, they're sort of starting to gear up for high season in real estate. We're a little bit weird down here in that we are sort of in the full swing of it. Um, We get really busy early and then 
um, slow down in July. Yeah. That's kind of weird. Well, but we've had a very mild winter, too. So I think that, that the daffodils are coming up. Yes. Yeah. People think I keep running around telling people, like, don't panic yet because it's not March. It feels like March, but it's not. So um, if, to that light, you know, whenever I'm trying to decide what to do a show on, I think back, okay, what have I been doing a lot the past week? And that always gives me great ideas for topics. And this is one I've been wanting to do for a long time. And I don't think we have necessarily done it. Um, but we could have done it before. I don't know. We've done 46 shows. So some of them are kind of a blur now. But I have been doing a lot of negotiating. Um I've got probably five or six negotiations going on right now. So my head's spinning a little bit trying to keep track of all that. But I thought it would be a good time to go over some tips for negotiating. Um, We're kind of getting back into that in our market, that time of year where you get into more multiple offers. Um, I had a situation yesterday where there were, or over the weekend, we had three offers on one of my listings that, of course, has been on the market for six months. And then all of a sudden, you have three three. offers. Mm -hmm. Because... When a buyer starts loving on a house, there's this karma thing. And the houses send out this pheromones. Is that what they're called? Yeah. Yeah, houses send out good vibe pheromones. And then everybody else starts loving on them. And then, boom, pretty much what happens. Uh, and then I had another one this morning that was multiple offers. So we're getting you know, m- more multiple offers and things like that. So I thought it would be a good time to talk about, you know, what does it mean to negotiate, really? And how do you um, uh, position your offer to stand out from the crowd and those sorts of things? Cool. Cool. Okay. So let's talk a little bit, you know, I feel like um, when you're in eighth grade speech class and you have to give a speech on something, it always starts off like this. Webster's defines <laughs> topic of my speech as, you know, they always throw in the Webster definition. Or so I thought we should let's start with that, with this idea of what does it mean to negotiate? And the definition of no- negotiate is to bring about through discussion, And that's kind of what I want to focus on is this idea of discussion. So it's not bullying. It's not threats. It's discussion. Why are you looking at me like that? Well, I'm laughing. No one can see me because I'm thinking, you know, really like someone who's wanting to negotiate with about the purchase of Mm -hmm. a home and they want to be a bully about it. I don't know. Well, I mean, bully might be a strong term, but you know what I mean. I mean, there are people that kind of go in like a, a, I don't know, a bull in a china shop. They're kind of like, this is what I want, and they should be grateful that I'm willing to give it to them. Sure. And not kind of understand the big picture. Um, You know, in general, another definition of bargaining is that it's a give and take process between two or more parties, each party having its own aim um, and needs and viewpoints, and they're seeking to discover a common ground uh, and reach an agreement to settle a matter of mutual concern or resolve conflict. So my point is it's not called conquering. It's not called subjugating. It's a big word. Uh, my sister-in-law would use that word. Uh, it's not called overpowering. It's called negotiating. So, you know, the sellers want to sell and the buyers want to buy. And sometimes it gets a little muddy in between. But we're doing this this dance of trying to kind of figure out what's a win-win for everyone. I had a... Um, closing a few weeks ago, I don't know if you were at that closing or not, where somebody, like the, the seller said, oh yeah, well I, I heard that how you know you have the best, you got the best deal possible is that the seller thinks that they got too little and the buyer thinks they paid too much. I wasn't at that closing. Okay. The seller thinks they got too little and the buyer thinks they paid too much. What does that mean? That everybody's kind of unhappy. Right. Right? 
yeah, that kind of depressed me a little bit. I thought that's not how we want it to be. Um, one hand, you know, one party in the, the buyer seller world, you know, somebody usually has the upper hand. It's rare that we're in totally balanced market. It's usually a buyer's market or it's a seller's market in our market right now. It's kind of a seller's market. Um, so, you know, that does sort of tilt things in one person's favor or the other. But I really think that at the end of the day, the ultimate goal is that everybody is happy. Right. Right. And I always, I'm always telling that I have some agents, new agents that I mentor. And when they get conflicted about how to move forward or maybe a deal didn't end how they would want it to end, I said, are your clients happy? That's why I'm always asking them. Right. Are your clients happy? Yeah, my clients happy. Then you did your job. So that's what we're going after for sure. Um, you know, when I was in grad school many, many moons ago, we used to always joke someone would say something deep or they would say something about behavior patterns or something like that. And we'd always go, oh, thesis idea, mine. Right. And we'd like claim it, right? Because <laughs> they're always thinking, you know, if I get a PhD, what's my thesis going to be about? And you're always looking for ideas. So now in real estate, I always kind of joke when people talk about negotiations, I say, oh, thesis idea, you know, that's mine. Um, because I do think that there is a thesis opportunity there or a study there. Um, you know, I feel like I've kind of been studying negotiation, real estate negotiations for the past 10 years. Uh, and I've noticed patterns and uh, am, I think, able to maybe sometimes predict a little bit how things are going to go. So we're going to go ahead and take a break and then we're going to talk about that. And we're going to talk about the basics of what you negotiate when you're making an offer or you're uh, taking an offer on your property. We'll be right back. You're listening to Real Real Estate Today, your home for smart real estate. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Are you interested in buying or selling a home? Not sure what the next step is? Deb can help. Go to RealRealEstateToday.com and click on Start Here. You'll be asked a few simple questions and Deb will personally contact you to help answer your real estate questions and connect you with a realtor in her personal nationwide network of realtors. So even if you aren't in Deb's service area, you're guaranteed to find a good match wherever you are. Visit RealRealEstateToday.com. Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Fridays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. You count. Tune into Interrevolutionary Radio and join the spontaneous wave of people all over the planet who, like you, are changing our world from the inside out. Follow the movement. Meet guests who are shaking things up. Call in and gain insights and courage to empower your own voice. Large or small, your part counts. So join us. Co-hosted by Beth Green and James Maynard, Inner Revolutionary Radio airs live every Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio. 
VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Real Real Estate Today. To reach Deb tomorrow or with questions and comments about the show, please send an email to Deb at RealRealEstateToday.com. That's Deb at RealRealEstateToday.com. Now, back to this week's program. All right. Thanks for coming back. We are talking about negotiating this week and um, how to position yourself best to um, get your offer seriously considered and create a win-win situation. I don't know. Does that make me sound like a pansy? I feel like it does. I want to. No, I, wanna, I, I want everyone so. to be happy. I don't know. I don't. I don't think that's. I don't know. I don't think everybody feels that way. I think that some people go into it with there's winners and losers kind of thing. But I want everyone to be happy. So there you go. Um, okay. So we were talking about how I've been in real estate for about ten years, and I've sort of noticed negotiating patterns. There's the 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 people that go in and just say this is what I'm willing to pay, or this is my selling price you know on the buyer seller side they don't want to muck around they're just like this is what it is take it or leave it kind of thing i kind of like those people because it's just you know black and white and it is what it is i sort of call that the old farmer approach i hope that's not like stereotyping a little bit but that tends to be like you know the people who've been around a while they're just like this is what i need it's all good you know take it or leave it uh the other approach is the people who need to go back and forth a million times karen i don't know if you know if you've ever experienced any of those I know you're not really involved in the negotiations but once it's all said and done it comes to you and you have like a contract that's 20 pages well, long I was gonna say I, I did see one today that someone in my office received it had four counters which okay. I honestly I don't know I haven't seen one like that usually by the time I get it maybe the both sides have decided to clean it up and yeah. just do one or I don't even know yeah. what but yeah I think four. I had one once that went 11 uh, but it was on a bank owned property and so we were just kind of going back and forth because a lot of times with those, you're just sort of, you know, seeing what you can do. When it's a bank owned property, it's a little bit different. But there are people out there who have this mindset and I just feel like they would never be satisfied unless they countered three or four times at least. They just feel like that's what they're supposed to do to get the best deal possible. Or like the Seinfeld episode <clears throat> where, you know, when you go to pay for the check, and the one person, like, maybe that person wants to be the one, like, this is my counter offer, and I want it to be accepted. Uh-huh. Do you know what I mean? Like, you want yours to be accepted right. versus the other party. Right. You want the final word. Yeah. Yeah. So that happens. And I think, you know, from the real estate point of view, if you can spot those people, it certainly helps you to know, to know you know what, this is going to be one we're going to go back and forth a bunch of times. That's fine. You know, we'll eventually get there. And then there are the people, which I think is sort of the majority of the people that they're kind of in the middle where they fish a little bit because they feel like my mom told me that I need to negotiate. Yeah. And so they'll put something out there, but then whatever the seller comes back with, they're like, all right, that's fine. <laughs> like they don't, you know, they don't go too far. They just sort of, you know, fish a little bit to see if you can get the seller to come down just a little bit and then it's all good. Those are the ones that truly want that house and they're, you know, they may yeah. be too scared to right. push back anymore. Well, and- you know, I always tell people when I bought my house down here, it was before I was a realtor and right before I became a realtor. And I offered them list price because there was a ton of other interests. And I, to this day, feel like I got a steal. So it's not about, you know, having to pay a certain percentage or whatever. Mm-hmm. Now, you certainly want to find out from your realtor sort of what's the norm and what's typical in your market. I think every market is a little bit different, too. Um, 
and uh, and we'll talk about that a little bit more. But nothing's wrong with that approach. I think the only challenge, you know, we, if you have your own approach to negotiating, that's totally fine. But if you're on one extreme, like I'm a one and done kind of person, and you're trying to negotiate with someone who has to go back and forth a bunch of times, it's mm-hmm. going to be stressful, uh, and it's going to be really tricky to find common ground. Because if you think about it, finding common ground involves finding a common sort of method to find that common ground. Um, somebody said it's that it becomes a dance of personalities, which I think is very true. Oh, I like that. I yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, so that's one of the reasons why it's really helpful to have a skilled realtor involved in negotiating the transactions. I think it also helps when you know the other realtor really well, because realtors kind of have their style too. And I've had some where I'm kind of like, oh yeah, okay, well that's just what they do. And here's how we respond. and <laughs> We'll eventually get there. It's not a secret anymore, but uh, a lot of times too, with inspection negotiations, that happens a lot. There are some realtors who have sort of their thing that the, how they do things and you kind of learn that. So having that skilled realtor, like I said, really helps you a lot. That just, I'm sorry. That just reminds me of someone that I know uh, who I won't mention on air. Uh, when it came to buying a vehicle, they knew going in like what they wanted to pay. And, you know, the, the car salesman, they know what they're willing to give it away at. So yeah. the whole point, which I think took way longer than it needed. Was to do the dance. Was to do the dance of personalities so that this car buyer could feel like, yeah, I went in there and I negotiated. And I thought, no, you didn't. Like, you knew what you were going <laughs> to ask and that they were willing to. I mean, it was just yeah, so Yeah, they funny, knew what they were going to get. I know sometimes I feel like this is ridiculous because we all know where we're going to end up. Right. right. It's yeah. like you go in with an offer that's a certain amount below. They come down 5,000. You come up 5,000. They come down 5,000. You come up 5,000. Split the difference. We're there. Like I could have told you six counters ago that that's where we were going to end mm-hmm. up. But we have to go through the process sometimes for people just to feel like they did what they needed to do. When I was working on uh, the outline for the show, I was going I was starting to bash HGTV. Um, and I was like, going to no, say, not you. no, shocking, yeah. right? Uh, I just had a client who is working on buying a house. She goes, I'm going to ship lap the shit out of that house. <laughs> <laughs> like, okay. Well, that's pretty funny. Anyways, off topic there. Um, I was going to say the HGTV portrays negotiations um, for the most part as who can be the biggest ass. But then I was like, no, HGTV really doesn't ever portray negotiations. Like, I'm thinking through all the HGTV shows. You don't really see Chip and Joanna. You don't see Property Brothers. They go away. And right. then they come back when you're sitting in the coffee shop having your latte. And they're like, great news. We got the house for this or whatever. Right. But they don't actually show the process. So, um, and, and I think that's because most of the time negotiations aren't nearly um, as dramatic as the other things they show, you know, ripping down attics and finding dust of raccoons and things like that. But um, on another favorite channel, Bravo, we love Bravo, don't we? I love Bravo. Well, I know you mm-hmm. do. Um, Miller, the Million Dollar Listing Show, that's the one you're always, because I watch Million Dollar Listing, so I know what you do every day. And I'm like, mm, not so much. But they show negotiations all the time. It's a right. huge part of their show. And it usually involves a lot of cursing. And hanging up a phones or hanging up on people, except you can't because with cell phones, it's like, like you know. Um, and martinis and sushi. That's sort of what defines um, negotiations to them. And usually, I think on that show, they make it look like both parties, you never really see the buyers and the sellers, but the agents always end up kind of pissed off and dissatisfied. Uh, and then they just start to gradually move forward. And I, I really feel like in, a sing- in, in the real world, I don't know that a single part of that is true. And maybe, you know, I know I live sheltered life here in Bloomington, Indiana. So maybe there are places that negotiate like that, but we don't here. 
I mean, it is reality television. So there's that. Quote, unquote, reality. Right. But I do, I, I would think that if we had a film crew following us through our processes. Which they should. Cause it which would be they totally should. But I think that they have to, they have to be aware, you know, they have to remember that they are on, they're being recorded. And it, it can get frustrating because you're working with a lot of those developers or whatever. Mm-hmm. And they won't take less than, you know, 15 right. million, but nothing's selling for over 12 or whatever. Oh my God. <laughs> exactly. So, um, well, one of the things, um, you know, negotiations can be stressful, but they're not usually that dramatic. But one of the things that makes me cringe, um, when I watch the show, you know, you watch things and, and you're always shouting at the TV, like you can't get a loan on that house. You know, like yes, we're always like the things that make it unrealistic and you kind of go crazy. So the thing about million dollar listings negotiations that drive me crazy is they don't write anything down. They're just talking on the phone, like, will you take this? Well, let me call my client. And they go back and forth, and then they come to, okay, we have a deal. And they're, like, on the phone drinking lattes and whatever. And then they say, you know, okay, well, I'll send you the contracts in a few days. I'm like, no, 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 no. We have everything in writing from day one. I'm sure Josh Flagg's assistant is on it like you know what I mean right. and it's taking care of that piece <laughs> well because and I think I've Sorry. seen it before though where somebody swooped in like you had a verbal agreement and then they've called up and they've said hey I haven't gotten the contracts yet what's up oh we got a better offer mm-hmm. I've seen it on that show so you need to do that in writing I must have missed that show oh I will find it for you okay uh you got to do it in writing. You got to keep it so that once it's signed and once it's agreed upon, you have those signatures and you're in a binding contract. Because otherwise, you know, on the show, somebody throws a chair and they roll their eyes and somebody breaks up with their girlfriend. It's a whole big thing. You don't want that. Um, the other thing that drives me crazy about million dollar listings, um, there's a list. I'm not going to go with the whole list. I know you like that show. I love it. You're a big Josh Flagg fan. I am. I yeah, I am. You follow him on Facebook, don't you? Yes. I subscribe to his newsletters. Uh-huh. I do. Does he have good, interesting tidbits? He does. But what's what's funny is that these are things that you already do. Okay. Yeah. So it's interesting to see. He's trying to share his secrets. Secrets. But they're really I, my secrets? Is that what you're saying? Um, I I would say so. You've been doing it about the same time as him. <laughs> okay. Well, you can tag Josh Flagg on this show and <laughs> see if we can get him as an interview. Karen is biggest fan. Um. Well, one of the things that drives me crazy, too, is that all they're really ever negotiating is the purchase price. And there are so many other things that can go into the negotiations of the process uh, aside from the purchase price. Uh, I read one thing that said that a skillful agent will never narrow down negotiations to just one issue because this allows for one winner and one buyer versus both people winning. Um, And so you have to kind of have more than, you know, maybe I give on this issue but I don't give on this issue. And that's part of how you create a win-win situation okay. in negotiation. So that's why it's important to look at all the items. Um, obviously, we know price isn't something that we negotiate. That's pretty obvious. Um, sellers want the highest price. Buyers want the least amount. Usually ends up somewhere in the middle. Um, but, you know, nobody wants to overpay. Uh, and sellers don't want to leave any money on the table. Ask your realtor, if you're working with a realtor, you should be, um, what the average sales price to list price ratio is in your area. Because around here, um, it's about 97%. So that means that houses sell on average for about 97% of whatever it's listed for. Um, Now that can, you know, there are always exceptions to that. That's just average. But I know that there are other areas where the average sales price is 
102%, like above list price. Stuff usually sells for more than list. So find out what that is because chances are, and I'm sorry to break this to you, but chances are you aren't so special that you're going to get something much different than that. I'm sorry. Your mother thinks you're special. The real estate world does not think you're special. Um, you know, I always tell a story of uh, a couple that came in and they were looking at a house and it was priced at like 142 and they had an uncle from a different area who was like, well, I think you shot for 114. And I was like, dude, that's not going to fly here at all. I managed to get them up to 120 to make the offer, which is still really low and sellers wouldn't even talk to them. So they ended up going to buy a house somewhere else and then they ended up getting divorced. And I'm sure that's why, because then I had to sell the house again because they got divorced. So don't do that. Don't be like that. All right, let's uh, go to another break, and then we're going to talk a little bit more about what items can be negotiated in the buying and selling process. So stick around. You're listening to Real Real Estate Today, your home for smart real estate. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Are you interested in buying or selling a home? Not sure what the next step is? Deb can help. Go to realrealestatetoday.com and click on Start Here. You'll be asked a few simple questions and Deb will personally contact you to help answer your real estate questions and connect you with a realtor in her personal nationwide network of realtors. So even if you aren't in Deb's service area, you're guaranteed to find a good match wherever you are. Visit realrealestatetoday.com. What if there was a radio show that could demonstrate how we can cut your taxes in half without diminishing needed government services? One that could explain how to create tens of millions of jobs at no cost to taxpayers, as well as fantastic yet easily affordable health care. Side effects include cutting crime rates nationwide, providing better education for our children, international peace and harmony, and protecting your private personal data from government intrusion. Tune in to Libertarians Working for you with Arvind Vora, Tuesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Variety. Tune in to The Patricia Raskin Show on VoiceAmerica.com every Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time. This is the program that helps you turn obstacles into opportunities, challenges into solutions, and find answers to tough questions with the award-winning powerhouse voice of radio, Patricia Raskin. So tune in and call in to The Patricia Raskin Show, Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time, right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to Real Real Estate Today. To reach Deb tomorrow or with questions and comments about the show, please send an email to Deb at RealRealEstateToday.com That's Deb at RealRealEstateToday.com Now, back to this week's program. We are back. This is Real Real Estate Today. I am your host, Deb Tomorrow, and we are talking today about negotiating. So trying to get you ready for the spring season, uh, set up uh, some uh, expectations so that you can make the best offers possible, whether you're buying or selling. Um, 
this is really good information. So we were talking about how you can negotiate on price, um, but you can also negotiate on earnest money. Um, earnest money is an amount of money that you put down when you make an offer on the house. It shows the seller that you have some skin in the game and that you're not going to just change your mind and disappear while you while they kind of take their house off the market for you to do inspections and get your financing and that kind of thing. Um, and different markets have different amounts that um, are acceptable for earnest money. So you certainly want to talk with your realtor about that. But you can put an amount down. Sellers can ask for more. Um, I don't know how much that happens. Do you ever see that on contracts, Karen? Yeah. I've ever seen. It doesn't happen a lot, mm-hmm. but it is. And certainly if you are in a situation where you are trying to negotiate against other people, the more earnest money you put down, the more serious um, it makes you look. Sometimes you'll get an offer and it's just, you know, 250 or $500 or something. And while that's a lot of money, some people might just walk away for that amount of money. So um, that is a, a negotiable item. Closing costs. Um, you know, those are the costs that buyers have to pay f- to get their mortgage. Um, that is something that can be negotiated. We talk about that all the time. Um, but I was trying to explain to a client over the weekend, and he kind of had that deer in headlights look at me when I was saying that we have to account for the closing costs in our offer. I don't know if you ever have that conversation with anyone. Closing costs, I know you talk to people about. I do, and I usually do your example using like even like easy numbers yeah easy numbers (laughs) what I tried and I ended up pulling the whiteboard out I have this little mini whiteboard I I, someone gave me once because they were learning from me and they were like oh you need a whiteboard to do this yeah I do Uh, so say a house is listed for $105,000 and the seller wants to walk away they have a number in their head right I want to walk away with $100,000 at the end of the day and so you offer them $100,000 but then you ask for $3,000 in closing costs that's going to feel like an offer of 97 to him because even though he's getting 100, he's got to give you 3,000 basically. Mm-hmm. Um, so you may have to pay, if you give him 103 with $3,000 in closing costs, seller gets their 100,000, goes on their merry way. And it's a win win, just like you've been saying. One would think. It's a win win. Right. Um, I think some buyers go into it thinking that seller paid closing costs are free. I know mom and dad always tell them to ask for closing costs. They don't really know what that means. So they say, how did you see I, mom said ask for closing costs? And write that in the offer. And they don't get that. That's not free money. Like that's not, like the seller takes that seriously. Right. You know, um, I've only ever had one seller absolutely refuse to cover closing costs. Even when we would add it back into the price, he absolutely refused. That would Isn't that be, crazy? That is, I was going to say, that would be a unique situation. I've, yeah, well, one time in, you know, hundreds. Um, yeah, I, I didn't have the seller. I had the buyer, and I was like, what the? I don't understand. What What does it matter to him? And he was standing on principle. Your house is vacant, dude. It's not time to stand on uh, principle. He was standing on principle that if you didn't have the closing cost money, you shouldn't be buying the house. Well, I always this feel bad on. for the buyers who... They did not talk to their lender first if they're doing a, you know, getting a loan or the realtor didn't ask what the closing costs would be. Yeah. So then they asked for too much. Yeah. And let's say there's not that amount in closing mm-hmm. costs, then that's just money lost. Lost. So then that's what else I was trying to explain to uh, this young couple was if the guy wants to walk away with a hundred thousand and you ask for $3,000 in closing costs and you pay one of three for the house and then you only need. $2,000 in closing costs. Now he's getting 101. So he's getting $1,000 more than what he really, his bottom line. Mm-hmm. 
and your pain for that. Right. So, yeah, that's important information to know and to take into account when you make the offer. Um, but closing costs are a negotiable item. Closing date and possession are also negotiable items. As a rule, sellers want to close quickly. But sometimes they want, you know, around here, it's like we want to put our house on the market in February when it's really busy and lots of people are looking. But we really don't want to move until June because that's when the kids are out of school. So we see that a lot where, you know, in the listing, it's like, here's the house. Can't have it till June. Um, long closes are scary. I was telling you, I just got an offer and the offer was to close on August 7th. Oh my gosh. <clears throat> today is, oh, we didn't even talk about the fact that today's Valentine's Day. Happy right. Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day. Yeah, I'm a little distracted today. Um, but yeah, so it's for February 14th and the offer was to close on August 7th. And what was the, it, well, because seller. the property was under lease, like it's a lease investment property and okay. they didn't want to take over with the tenants. They didn't want to manage tenants. They just wanted the house once the tenants were done with it, which I get, but I'm not going to sit around for however, I got to count on my fingers, March, April, May, June, Five, July, August, six. six months. No, no. It, too many things Is can it happen their primary residence? I'm not sure. Or, they didn't specify. Okay. It may be. But I mean, I, yeah, we're not going to wait around for six months because I mean, interest rates could go through the roof. People could lose their jobs. I mean, all kinds of things. So if something else could come on the market. Uh, and then we waited six months and uh, yeah, that's not going to happen. So, um, but those things, you know, if a house is vacant, a quick closing is usually pretty desirable. Um, if the seller needs to buy something, like buy another house or in the house and they got to buy and there's a transition thing, then, you know, those are things that are negotiable. The seller might ask for some possession at closing, which means you close, they get their money. Maybe they get to stay in the house for seven days or 14 days. In some markets, it's even up to 30 days, which is a little crazy. But so closing date and possession. Um, also negotiable or financing contingencies for most people, those aren't really negotiable. They just feel really strongly that the financing contingency needs to be part of the contract. And I agree with that. Um, <clears throat> but they, you typically specify what kind of financing you intend on getting and that the offers contingent on you being able to get that fine kind of financing. Now, typically you're pre-qualified before you make the offer. So, um, the contingency isn't, doesn't come into play too often. I don't know. Do you ever have that come into play? Where, like, the financing contingency, like, somebody's financing falls through? I do. It's only when, it's <clears throat> only when the, you know, you have the simultaneous transactions going on. You're part of a piggyback mm. with other, with other agents and other people that someone in that chain mm -hmm. can, if their financing falls through, mm -hmm. it kind of pushes mm -hmm. everybody else yeah. off the track. Yeah. So, um, and Karen's talking about like if you've got if someone's got to sell a house in order to buy a house and they've got someone who's got to sell a house in order to buy their house, we can have this big long chain of transactions and somewhere down the road a transaction can I had one years ago, I think I've probably told this story before. It was one of the most heartbreaking <laughs> deals for me because I felt so bad. My sellers we were about two or three days before closing. My sellers were going out of town and so they were on their way to the title company to sign the closing documents before um, before they left town. And I got a call that the buyer had quit their job. And they had another job lined up, but it wasn't going to start for a couple of weeks. And so his financing was was done. They weren't going to finance anymore. They did a final employment verification and found out that he was not employed. And uh, the lender was like, mm, sorry. And so I had to call my seller 
and say, and you know, and they got, and those buyers got their earnest money back because their financing fell through. That seems pretty unfair, but that's the way. I think in that situation, but yes, yeah, I think that would be yeah, for sure. Um, other things you can negotiate a home warranty. Um, that's something again, like seller paid closing costs, where that comes off the seller's bottom line. I don't know. Around here, they cost about five hundred dollars for sort of your base home warranty, and that's providing an insurance policy for the insides of the house. So if you buy a house and the furnace breaks in the first year, you know you can get it fixed for a small deductible out of your pocket. Um, it's a nice thing to have. The seller can certainly offer it too. Um, but again, it, it's something that comes off the seller's bottom line. So if you're deep in negotiations with or multiple offers, it's something you want to think seriously about because it's going to take another $500 out of the seller's pocket. Um, there are uh, inspections and inspection timeline. That's usually something that is negotiated. Um, and we're going to talk about inspections, I think, just a little bit more in the last segment. But um, the appraisal contingency, how long you have for appraisal, do you do an appraisal? Those are things that can be negotiated as well. Sellers like you to do appraisals fairly quickly so that we're not wasting time if you know we come up with an issue. Uh, Karen, this is your favorite one. Furniture, personal property, hot tubs, swing sets. Can hot tubs, they're not, that's, a bad, that's a bad word, hot tubs? Anything, yeah. Mm. So. Yeah. Lenders don't like these things included because they don't, I always say, they don't like to feel like they're giving a mortgage on a hot tub or on a swing set. So they don't want to see that in the contract. It sort of has to be, um, we'll do like side documents that I'll say along when the house is purchased, these items go with it um, and, and kind of a bill of sale sort of thing. But the lenders don't really want to be a part of that. I didn't realize hot tub. Right? I mean, certain loan programs. Yeah. I mean, a hot tub would be hard to move, remove and things like that, but it's. It's just try not to include any personal property in the offer. Right. Michael Jordan posters. Michael, that's there my you favorite. Go. Michael Jordan posters. I once had to throw in some, I, we were trying to put this deal together and we were kind of getting down to the wire. It's like, what's left? What can we ask for? What can we, we were just trying to make everybody feel like a win-win, you know, right. because this, the, the listing agent had said, make us an offer. The, you know, the seller's motivated. And then they wouldn't come down off their price at all. And we're like, well, that's not motivated. Show me how you're motivated. Because my, now my buyer has in their mind, the seller's motivated. So he's thinking I can get a deal. I was like, all right, fine. Can you throw in the Michael Jordan posters that are downstairs? And they're like, yes. And I'm like, sweet. <laughs> I went back to the house a few years later and the Michael Jordan posters were still hanging up. So they were awesome. cherished. So that was great. But I'm thinking, you know, we can't have this in the contract. The lender's <laughs> going to be like, I am not putting a mortgage on Michael Jordan posters. Um, appliances are something that should be specified and negotiated. A lot of times people will say the washer and dryer aren't included. Um, and so sometimes we'll ask for them, but maybe try to build that. I just had a hardcore negotiation on a house with some people and the, yeah, the sellers were really adamant. The washer and dryer weren't going to be included. And my buyers were like, we don't have the money for our own washer and dryer. We need that one. We're adding it back into the price because we can afford a higher mortgage. We just don't have the cash bank. And so that was pretty much what it boiled down to. Our final counteroffer was like, we need that washer and dryer. <laughs> and they gave in and gave it to us. So that's good. But those kinds of things um, would be negotiated as well. Property taxes, title insurance, who pays those things. Those are all things that are negotiable as well. So my point with this segment is that you can see that there's a lot more than just price that is negotiated into an offer. Um, and to think of all of those things, because I want to make the point again, that if you focus just on price and not on the other things, someone's bound to feel like they've lost. But if you can create a picture like I'm going to, here's the price I'm going to offer, but 
you know, I want a good deal on the price, but I'm going to give you all the flexibility seller that you need in this world for possession. And that is what helps create that win-win situation that sort of sets everything up for a smooth transaction. All right, let's take one last break and then we'll come back. You're listening to Real Real Estate Today, your home for smart real estate. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you interested in buying or selling a home? Not sure what the next step is? Deb can help. Go to realrealestatetoday.com and click on Start Here. You'll be asked a few simple questions and Deb will personally contact you to help answer your real estate questions and connect you with a realtor in her personal nationwide network of realtors. So even if you aren't in Deb's service area, you're guaranteed to find a good match wherever you are. Visit realrealestatetoday.com. In the spirit of Have Couch Will Travel, Dr. Carol Lieberman creates a haven of sanity in an increasingly insane world. Each day we are bombarded with news of events that have never crossed our wildest nightmares. Society is spiraling out of control and everyone is reeling from it. But now there's an answer. The best way to keep sane in this insane world is to tune in to Dr. Carol's Couch on Voice America. Dr. Carol, a certified media psychiatrist, will broadcast live from her Beverly Hills office every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific time. Call or log in and get help with whatever is sending you reeling whenever you need a soothing voice to calm and advise you. That's Dr. Carol's Couch every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. What makes a great leader? Most have a vision, one that starts beyond the resources available and continues from that point into developing a solid plan, organization, and company. Leadership issues are discussed each week on VoltCast, illuminating leadership with host Jeff Smith. Jeff has years of experience as a leader and executive coach, and his guests will bring you information that can help a team of any size. Listen every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Variety. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. listening to Real Real Estate Today. To reach Deb tomorrow or with questions and comments about the show, please send an email to Deb at realrealestatetoday.com. That's Deb at realrealestatetoday.com. Now, back to this week's program. Welcome back as we finish up our show today on negotiating. I want to touch on some ways to make your offer stand out from the crowd, just some tactics and some ideas on um, negotiating. Um, one of the things that I always tell my clients, and I try really hard to remember myself, is that you really need to think negotiations the second you lay your eyes on a picture online or the second that you decide to list your home. I know that sounds crazy, but for every house that you consider that, you know, that you're looking at, you need to think, I might be negotiating for the most expensive purchase or the most expensive thing I've ever sold in my entire life. And you should think about that from the beginning. Um, so that means things like giving plenty of notice if you can for showings, being respectful during showings on the buyer side. Um, you know, if they want you to take off your shoes, take off your shoes. I hate that. Um, just, <laughs> sorry, I have a thing about it. It's irrational, but I do. I hate it. 
uh, taking my shoes off in other people's houses. Um, you need to carry those little, little booties. Yeah. I know I should. And part of it is just because it's like clunky and I have my arms full of stuff anyways and there's never any place to sit to take your shoes off. Um, I should really probably move on. Okay. I'm going to let that go. Um, but, you know, make sure doors are locked. Make sure lights are turned off or, you know, things are left the way that they are. I have some clients right now I'm working with and they crack me up because every house are like, okay, we're just going to take gonna go take a shower now and see what the water pressure's like and they're just <laughs> joking but they know i'm like oh my god are they really gonna do it because they're kind of crazy um but so to be really respectful of you know things like that on the seller side it's the same deal be respectful of um you know making your house easy to show leaving when they're showing so that the um the buyers can, you know, talk freely, um, providing all the helpful information so that you've got a good, clear listing. Um, you know, send the message that you care and that you want the buyer to have a pleasant and smooth process and not a contentious one. I know it sounds silly, but it's so important. So you've done a showing for a buyer and the seller was still there? Always. That's weird. So many me. times. That's weird. So okay. uncomfortable. So then we just like whisper. And then, well, here's the worst one. Like, I just did this a few weeks ago. I walked up to the front door, and you could smell the smoke from outside. You could tell they smoked heavily inside the house, and we knew that wasn't going to be a good fit for either my client or I, walking around with, like, inhalers in our hands. And we look at each other, because at that point, she doesn't even want to go in, because it's, like, she's going to set off her asthma, and she's like, I'm not buying this house. Like, I know that right now. So... Okay, they got up because it's 9 o'clock on a Saturday morning and their kids are in the bathroom doing their hair and stuff. So they, we were thinking, how long do we have to be in here to not be rude? <laughs> you know how many times I've had that conversation when you walk into a house? Because sometimes it's just not the right house. You walk in, you're like, oh, nope, this isn't it. But when the sellers are there, you're like, how long do we have to stay? I had one last year that um, my friend Janelle and I, we went and looked at and we were upstairs for the longest time, like, okay, we're just going to pretend. And we're like pretending to have a conversation about the house and stuff. Cause we felt so bad that, you know, we, but it just wasn't the right house. Yeah. So anyways, um, yeah. So please leave sellers. Um, so don't, you know, on both sides, be really respectful of the other side from the beginning. Um, you know, I had a, just a deal a few weeks ago where, you know, the showings were fine. Well, we tried to schedule a showing and they declined it. So we had to wait like four or five days. And so that was kind of like, uh, you know, you're like, what's up with that? Don't you want to sell your house? Uh-huh. They said, come back on the weekend. Don't come you know, during the week. Okay. Fine. So we go and we look at the house and, you know, it, it was a nice, it was real pretty. And, um, you know, there were some concerns and we were trying to get answers and we had asked questions several times and weren't getting answers. And, but my client decided to go ahead and make an offer. So she made an offer. It probably wasn't an awesome offer. It was an okay offer. Because we had a lot of unanswered questions that we couldn't get answers to. So that sort of set things up to not be so great. Well, then the listing agent calls me and says, um, and you know the story because you were there when it was happening, um, and says, you know, that they were hesitant to negotiate with my client because she was female uh, and probably going to be jittery about the condition of the crawl space. And yeah, which is a totally illegal, people. Totally illegal. Don't say that out loud if you think it. Don't say it out loud. But anyways, and so things like that, that kind of made you go, okay, I don't know that I really want to negotiate with this person. And if I do want to negotiate with them, I don't want them to win at all. (laughs) You know, (laughs) now I want to create a win-lose situation and we end up walking away. 
interesting. This is not a, a good negotiating situation. We didn't feel like we were be, being given a fair shake. We didn't feel like it was anybody was looking for a win-win. Um, it was really, really sad and unfortunate, and I'm sorry that that happened um, in today's day and age. Um, but again, don't be a jackass. Uh, don't be a jackass during negotiations. Even simple things like you know, giving plenty of time to respond is huge. Um, don't you know? Say, here's our offer. I got it's Sunday, and you have three hours to respond. Really? Don't no, don't be a jackass. That's not going to help create a win-win for everyone. Um, we talked about this. There was a great show we did. I don't know. It's probably been six months or so about avoiding real estate road rage. And we talked about keeping offers simple as one of the important ways to kind of keep nerves and calm and uh, decrease the chances that you have something go wrong. And that's a, a good way to um, improve your negotiations is to try and keep your negotiate your offer as simple as possible and not overcomplicate things. I had an offer recently and it had like, buying out the buyer's lease and it had all kinds of stuff that was included and just got like, I was looking at this offer is so complicated and we had to kind of edit it down and figure out a way that we could maybe simplify it a little bit because sellers look at that and go, I don't think I have the energy to deal with this deal. Mm -hmm. It's just going to be too complicated. So that's really, really important too. Um, Let's see, as we're running out of time, uh, I'm trying to think of some of the others. Think about, think, do think outside the box though. So I want to say, don't make things complicated, but think outside the box. So if there are some like customary seller costs, I don't know if you ever see this. In our market, um, like title insurance is typically paid for by the seller. Do you ever see the buyer paying for it? The buyer's, the owner, yeah, there's. Uh, well, I'm talking about the owner's policy. No. Yeah, you don't. <laughs> no. But it's a negotiable item. It is. So certainly the buyer could. One time yeah. I saw where the buyer was paying for both, both policies, both policies, and I've never seen that. Yeah. One time. Um, but that's a good way. I mean, that saves the the um, the buyer or the seller some money if you offer to pay that. It makes your offer stand out from the crowd a little bit. So there are things like that that you can do. Sometimes we'll do stuff like, I call it my nickel and diming um, clause, where we say, you know, look, we're going to do inspections, but we're not going to nickel and dime you with a bunch of little stuff. It's kind of a meaningless clause, but it sends the message of, hey, we're not going to be jackasses. Uh, because again, I mean, sellers are looking at offers and they're looking at not just price, but what's going to create the smoothest transaction, um, what is going to create the most peace of mind. And I think peace of mind is a huge, valuable negotiating tactic. And so that's kind of what I want to leave you with is what can you do to help the other side create peace of mind? It's like that giver's gain, kind of, you know, what can you give to the other side? Um, that still helps you achieve your cause. And if you approach negotiations like that, you're going to get a lot farther and have a lot greater success. All right. That kind of wraps it up for today. Shockingly, that went quickly. Mm-hmm. That um, segment always does. I know it always does. So thank you for joining me today, Karen. And thank you out there for listening. And if you've got questions about your negotiating tactics, please uh, send me a message. I'm always happy to answer your questions. We will be back next week with another great show. And um, you're listening to Real Real Estate Today, your home for smart real estate. Thank you for tuning in to Real Real Estate Today. Please join your host, Deb, tomorrow for another edition every Tuesday at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Until next week, take care of your home. It's one of your most important assets. 